would to Matthew chapter, uh, or, or excuse me, John chapter 6. Uh, I don't have that up there, uh, but John chapter 6, and then put a ribbon or something there. We'll be there in a few minutes. And then Matthew chapter 5. We're going to start Matthew chapter 5. Uh, we have been studying the Beatitudes um, of, uh, of Christ. Um, <clears throat> the Matthew chapter 5 is the beginning of what, it, what is referred to as the Sermon on the Mount. And Jesus starts the Sermon on the Mount with the Beatitudes. And <clears throat> it is a list of characteristics that we are supposed to incorporate into our lives and we are supposed to be these things. Um, that's why they're called the Beatitudes. Um, and uh, we have uh, talked about so far the first uh, four. Uh, we didn't finish the last time we were on this. We didn't finish number four. Uh, but we've talked about the first one. But let's go ahead and read uh, Matthew chapter 5, starting in verse 1. And, uh, and seeing the multitude, he went up into the mountain. And when he was uh, set, he, his disciples came unto him, and he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. Blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are ye when men shall revile you and persecute you, and ye shall say all manner of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceeding glad, for great is your reward in heaven. For so persecuted they the prophets which were before you. Let's pray. Dear Lord, thank you for this time together. Thank you for this, this sermon that you've given us. And as we have been spending uh, several weeks uh, kind of making our way through this passage of scripture we ask your god that you would speak to our hearts and that you would help us to to see and to know how much you love us and that the, that these characteristics are not random characteristics that uh, sound good on paper but they are characteristics that are to be incorporated into our lives help us dear god to walk with you for it's in christ's name we pray amen uh, so far, we've talked about the poor in spirit. Uh, <clears throat> we've talked about uh, those that mourn. And we've talked about the meek. And last, uh, well, I guess it's been two weeks now. Or what, has it been three? Uh, three? Three weeks, yes. 
um, uh, we, we started talking about they that hunger and thirst after righteousness. They that hunger and thirst after righteousness. And I, I, I shared a story uh, with you then uh, of a time when I was a Boy Scout and we were, we were backpacking in the desert and we got to where we, where we were supposed to be going and there was no water. And we had to turn around and hike back out. And, and, and the fact is, I know what it's like to be thirsty. When you hike 10 miles in and you get to where you're going and there's no water. I, I, I know what it means to be thirsty. Now, honestly, I don't know that Americans really understand what it means to be hungry. Even the poorest of Americans have food to eat. But I've been in countries where I've seen hunger. And the characteristic here, layer number four, uh, the, they hunger and thirst after righteousness. Jesus is giving his disciples and the, and the people there uh, at the Sermon on the Mount a word picture for them to wrap their heads around. Because poverty was a real, a real thing in, in that day. Uh, they, the, 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 Roman, the Roman government was literally stealing away all their crops and all their money, taxing them to death. And the, many of the Jews were very, very poor. And, and starvation was something that was very real to them, and they understood it. And when you are hungry, and when you are hungry and you are thirsty... Beyond imagination, you will do anything to eat and drink. You'll do anything. And that is the attitude that Jesus is saying that we need to have for righteousness. We will be willing to do anything for righteousness. Can you put up the picture, please, Chris? This is the <clears throat> the infamous picture. I can you read it a little better? I, I made the font I made the font bigger, and I fixed the the misspelled word just for you. <laughs> it, it, it 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 technically wasn't misspelled. It was just the wrong word. Well. <clears throat> but the poor in spirit, I had the word poor as in you pour something, you know. So, so it wasn't it wasn't misspelled. It was just the wrong word. Uh, but anyway, so I, I I tried to make the font a little bigger because I was criticized for the small font. Um, <clears throat> but you know, hey, when you work on something like you know, you techie people. You could probably have done this in five minutes. It took me two hours to do this, okay? So, and you, you know, you guys are, what are you laughing at back there? <laughs> um, but I, my, my attempt here is to show you all of the Beatitudes. And it starts with being poor in spirit and understanding that within ourselves we are nothing and that he is everything. And then that, when we accomplish that, then it turns into mourning and we start to mourn 
over our sin. And then once we get a grip on the fact that we have sinned and have offended an almighty God, then we come down to the meek. And if you remember, we talked about meekness is not weakness, but it is actually that inner strength that we determine to do right. And then it comes down to hungering and thirsting after righteousness. So, so the, the, the point of this that I was trying to accomplish, I hope I did, was that you can't just pick and choose these different characteristics and say, okay, I want to accomplish this one. The reality is you have to start at the top and, and, and work your way around because they are all contingent to the, to the other. You cannot become mournful until you realize how poor in spirit you truly are. And, it, and I, I described it at the beginning of the study as, as layers on, on an onion. You just start peeling back the layers, and every layer is dependent on the next layer. And as, we, as, you, as you look at this list that we are going through, the reality is <clears throat> it all starts with our own view of who we are. Who are you? Who are you? Are you are you a self-sufficient, self-made person? If you are, you're in trouble. Because God says you need to be poor in spirit. You need to be willing to say, okay, God, I'm nothing, you're everything. We get to mourning, to meekness, and hungering and thirsting after righteousness. Look at John chapter 6. John chapter 6, let's start reading in verse 25. And when they had found him on the other side of the sea, they said unto him, Rabbi, when uh, camest thou hither? And Jesus answered them and said, Verily I say unto you, ye seek me not because ye saw the miracles but because ye did eat of the loaves and were filled. Labor not for the, for, for the meat which perish, perisheth, but for the meat which entereth unto everlasting life, which the Son of Man shall give unto you. For him hath God the Father sealed." Then they, uh, then said they unto him, What shall we do that we might work the works of God? And Jesus answered and said unto them, 
This is the work of God that you believe on Him whom He has sent. They said therefore unto Him, What sign showest thou then that we may see and believe thee? What dost thou uh, what dost thou work? Our father did eat manna in the desert, as it is written. He gave them bread from heaven to eat. <clears throat> Jesus said unto them, Verily, 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 I say unto you, Moses gave you not that bread from heaven, but my father giveth you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he which cometh down from heaven and giveth life unto the world. And they said unto him, Lord, evermore give us this bread. What well, What is taking place here? This is a story when his, uh, his disciples come to him and they and they he had done some miracles and he had he had fed a multitude and Jesus kind of admonishes them he says to them uh, in verse 26 he says and Jesus said unto them verily verily I I, I say unto you ye seek me not uh, because you saw miracles but because you did eat of the loaves and were filled so what is Jesus saying here? You know, I did miracles. I did, I did all these things in front, before you. But see, the thing that Jesus could do that we can't do is Jesus can look into the hearts of men. And he knows the hearts of men. And he said, you are only here because you want, you want more to eat. You're not here to hear the truth. You're not here to, to, to witness the miracles. All you want is more food. That's a scary place to be. And then he says, <clears throat> down in 32, And Jesus said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Moses gave you not that bread from heaven, but my Father giveth you the true bread from heaven. What is, a, what is one of the names of Jesus Christ? The bread of life. And that is the bread that he's talking about here. The bread that you eat of that fulfills and satisfies you. In verse 26, <clears throat> the very last word, he said, he said that, uh, but because you did eat of the loaves and were filled. The word filled there is the in the Greek word is to be satisfied or content. To be satisfied or content. But what Jesus is trying to get across to these people is the fact that you need to be satisfied or content in your walk with God to be filled. Not with the bread of this world but we're from the bread from another world. And he's pointing out to these people, you're getting filled with the wrong thing. And so often we, we get confused. 
because we live in a world of, of possessions. And we live in a world of, of time that we think that accomplishing things and getting stuff is how we fulfill ourselves. But Jesus says that's not how you get true fulfillment. My question then becomes, how do we hunger and thirst after righteousness? Because we are told the fourth beatitude here is to hunger and thirst after righteousness. And we've talked about the fact that that, that if... if the, the, the word picture here that Jesus is giving us is one that goes to the core of who we are. We need water and we need food in order to sustain our lives. So how then do we hunger and thirst after righteousness? Anybody? Let me tell you. Love this book. The answers are right here. The answers are right here. If we can get a hold of the truth, the fourth beatitude, if we can get a hold of this truth of, of loving the things of God more than the things of this world, it can change our lives. The things of this world are, are no longer important. The accomplishments of this world are no longer important. I, I want to make a very simple clarification here because oftentimes we misread this. Well, I shouldn't say we misread it. We misunderstand this. Let me tell you what Jesus is not saying here. Okay, are you ready for this? This is what Jesus is not saying. He is not saying hunger and thirst after religion. Okay, that is, that is what he is not saying. He is not saying hunger and thirst after religion because I'm here to tell you religion is man-made. Okay? It, it, that it, Black and white, that's what it is. And you may be thinking, but wait a minute, Pastor, you're a pastor of a church. I am. And I hope we are the, the most unreligious church in Fernley. I have no desire to be religious. Zero desire. I am all about having a relationship with Jesus Christ. Because it's that relationship that is going to fulfill my life. It is that relationship that I'm going to find contentment. Trust me, I have tried the things of this world. M many of you know that I was an alcoholic by the time I was 17. I've been there. I've tried to fill my life with that stuff. 
And I've tried to find contentment apart from Jesus Christ. And it cannot be done. Religion will leave you even more empty. Because what does, at the core of religion, what does, what does religion tell us? Do more, give more, work harder. Uh, let's see. Um, oh, oh, live a certain way. Isn't that what religion says? But what does relationship say? Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. That's what relationship does. And that is what Jesus is saying here. He's not saying, don't, don't search for religion, but search for relationship. Hunger and thirst after righteousness. Because it is that, what is, it is that, that changes lives, not religion. And the more, <clears throat> as you can tell, I don't go hungry often, okay? Just saying, okay? My wife is an incredible cook. I weighed 120 pounds when we got married. No, I'm teasing. Um, <clears throat> uh, <laughs> no, but I was pretty skinny when we got married, and she's fattened me up quite nicely. But, but you know one of the things, we, we were talking about this at lunch today, um, those of you that weren't at lunch, uh, answer this question. Have you ever heard of boiled peanuts? Okay, boiled peanuts. Okay, she's from the southeast, and they are a delicacy in the southeast. And when you start eating those things, it's like eating Lay's potato chips. They, they are incredibly addictive. But But let me warn you, if you ever go to the southeast, it, it is a... It is a learned um, palate, okay? It's, you're not going to, yeah, it's an acquired taste. Yeah, you're not going to pop one in your mouth and say, oh, this is great. No, it's, it takes time. Um, but my, my point is this. When you, when, when, you, when you start eating these things, it, it, you, you almost need somebody to come and take them away from you before you, know, you commit suicide on them. <clears throat> My point is this, if we, are truly an, if we are truly hungering and thirsting after Christ, we want more and more and more. That's why God in the Bible says, come taste and see that the Lord is good. Why? Because taste is one of the, it is, I, my, you're, a, you're a nurse over here. I have been told that the, the, the sense of taste is the most sensitive of all the senses that we have. That's what I've been told. So when God says, come, come and taste and see that the Lord is good. Why? Because when we taste it, we're going to want more, and we're going to want more, and we're going to want more. Now, Beatitudes five, six, and seven change, change course a little bit. And Jesus starts to deal with not our relationship with, with God, but our relationship with others. 
So if you could put up our slide again, Chris, I know I'm out of, out of sync on you here. I just, you know, he is one super guy back there. <clears throat> I, I mess him up all the time. Okay, <clears throat> so we have poor in spirit, uh, those that mourn, meek, hunger and thirst after righteousness, and then merciful. Merciful. <clears throat> Look at verse 7. Um, back to Matthew. Matthew chapter 7. Oh, 5. I'm sorry. Yeah. Matthew chapter 5, verse 7. It said, Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Blessed are the merciful. You know, <clears throat> I I am I am I'm gonna I'm gonna come clean and confess to you guys, okay? When when our kids were little, when they messed up, bless God, I came down on them like a ton of bricks because I believed in justice, okay? Justice. Justice is the heart of the law. Mercy is the heart of the gospel. Don't ever ask God to give you what you deserve. <laughs> Beg for mercy. Because if you got what you deserve, it would not be pretty. Mercy is at the heart of the gospel. John Phillips wrote this. Uh, <coughs> excuse me. <coughs> who? <coughs> excuse me. He who shows no mercy destroys the bridge over which he himself must pass. I like that. You know, when, like I said a minute ago, when I was, you know we were trying to parent our children and we, we wanted our children to turn out right. So what do you do? You're, you're hard on them. You, you teach them and you, you're... <clears throat> but every once in a while, my sweet wife would pull me aside and say, Rick, you need to show them a little mercy. Why? Because they, they need mercy. And she would talk to me and calm me down and mercy is something that does not come naturally to us you know I, I have said on multiple occasions it, it is a good thing I'm not God because especially when I'm driving because there would be there would be like dead people like all over the place just <laughs> you know Mercy stops at the steering wheel, right? You know what I'm saying? But see, mercy is something that does not come natural to us. But yet, do we not all want mercy? Mercy, pity, compassion are roughly, they're all synonymous with each other. I asked myself when I was studying, I asked myself, what is the opposite of mercy? Anybody want to take a shot at it? <clears throat> uh, 
Um, that is one of them. That's I have I have three words that are the the opposite or uh, 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 what, what are they antonyms? Yeah, antonyms uh, to to uh, mercy. Ruthlessness is definitely one of them. Uh, how about hard-hearted? Don't we become hard-hearted? I know I do. This is one of my favorites, vindictive. Vindictive. Not only are you going to get what you gave me, but it's going to be worse. (coughs) And the reality is, we are told to be merciful. We just read it. Blessed are the merciful. And you know what? Apart from God, mercy is impossible for us to exercise. Psalm chapter 18, verse 25. With the mercy, excuse me, with the the merciful, thou wilt show thyself merciful. And with the upright, Man, thou shalt show thyself upright. Psalm chapter 51 in verse 1. Mercy, uh, excuse me, have mercy upon me, O God, according to thy loving kindness, according to the multitude of thy tender mercies. Blot out my transgressions. I've shared this before, but I wanted to share it again because I think it's a great picture of what mercy is. Human in 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 the in the in the human mind, if you would. A mother once approached Napoleon, asking a pardon for her son. The emperor replied that the young man had committed a certain offense twice, and justice demanded death. But I did not ask for justice. The mother explained, "I plead for mercy." But your son does not deserve mercy, replied Napoleon. Sir, she cried, it would not be mercy if he deserved it. And mercy is what I'm asking for. Well then, the emperor said, I will have mercy. And he spared the woman's son. That is mercy. Getting what you absolutely do not deserve. Mercy goes to the heart of the gospel. Mercy is what put Jesus Christ on the cross for you and for me. That's mercy. David was a man. King David, he wrote... He wrote Some people say he wrote all the Psalms. I'm not going to go that far, but he wrote many of the Psalms. David, in in writing the Psalms, used the word mercy 135 times just in the Psalms. Let me give you an example. Psalm 123, verse 3. Have mercy upon us, O Lord. Have mercy upon us, for we are exceedingly filled with contempt. See, David was a man who understood mercy mainly because he understood his need for mercy. 
He, he was a man, if, if, if he could walk in this, this door right now, he would be the first one to tell you, if God gave me what I deserved, I would be in hell. But because of mercy, we will see him in heaven one day. David himself was a vile man. He committed murder, adultery, fornication. I mean, you, I mean, you name it, he probably is guilty of it. But yet in the New Testament, God calls him a man after his own heart. Why? I think quite possibly is because David loved the mercy of God. We are to be merciful. Question. Look at verse 7. <clears throat> Chapter 5 and verse 7. Here's your question. According to verse 7, what is the best way for us to receive mercy? Huh? By showing it. What is, it, what, what, is, what is Jesus telling us here? Hey, if you want mercy in your life, demonstrate it. What is, what is the flip side of the coin there? If you don't show mercy, guess what? Don't ask for it. The following verses... I got, I don't know, four or five verses here. I want to just run through these very quickly and we'll be done. <clears throat> these verses, I hope you will highlight, or just as, as they are shown up here, just, just make, let, let your attention be drawn to the word mercy. Psalm chapter 51, verse 1, and this is another one that David wrote. Have mercy upon me, O God, according to thy loving kindness. According to the multitude of thy tender mercies, blot out my transgressions. What was David saying here? David, David was very clearly saying, God, I have messed up, but have mercy on me. Blot out my transgressions. Isaiah chapter 55 and verse 7, Let the wicked forsake his way, and the righteous man his thoughts, and let him, excuse me, Return unto the Lord, and he will have mercy upon him. And to our God, for he will have abundant pardon. Luke chapter 16 and verse 24. And he crieth and said, Abba, Father, have mercy on me. And send Lazarus that he might uh, may dip his uh, <clears throat> the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue. For I am tormented in this flame. This man was tormented in hell and he's crying out to God, have mercy on me for just a drop of water. But yet in life, he was a man who did not demonstrate mercy. First Timothy chapter 1 and verse 16. How be it for this cause... I obtain mercy that in me first Jesus Christ might show forth all long suffering for a pattern to them 
which should hereafter believe on Him to life everlasting. Mercy is an incredible thing. Mercy is an incredible thing. Let's pray. Dear Lord, thank You for this day. Thank You for Your love and for the work You do in our lives. And Lord, we do ask that as we uh, take this time to uh, baptize now, that You would have a, a just a your name would be lifted up and honored in everything said and done. For it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen.